Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our sermon is our gospel lesson as recorded in John chapter 1, verses 29 through 41. To remind you of that account, I will read verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the gospel of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, allow me to put our text in its context. Forty-one days previously, John had baptized Jesus, and God the Father spoke, This is my Son whom I love, with Him I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended upon Him as a dove, and then that Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert, where He was tempted by the devil over forty days as He fasted, and stood up to temptations you and I could never stand up to, so that we would be credited with His perfect obedience. Now, in the meantime, John keeps baptizing and preparing the way for the Lord. And as I said, his ministry had crescendoed to the baptism of Jesus. And after that, it starts to decrescendo until his beheading. It had reached its zenith. And so it is that a group sent from the Pharisees had come and asked him, Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you the Christ? He said, no, 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 that one's still coming. And that's the one I was sent to prepare for. And that's where our text begins. It's the next day. And he's baptizing. And he sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is our theme for today. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Now, let's begin by discussing what John didn't say he was. He didn't point to Jesus coming by and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the oppressive Roman government. Christians get confused. Some get so bad they think if they just vote for the right people, they can use the government as the medium instead of the good news of forgiveness. And, and they can get the government to pass laws that will finally make people Christians in our land. The law doesn't do that. The law punishes bad behavior and exposes bad behavior. It does not change a heart. It does not give faith. Some people think that John would have pointed to him and they said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away your debt. By the way, if, you, if you're in debt, send all of your money. Scrape together what you got left. Put it in. Give it to pastor after church. And Jesus will get you out of debt in two to three years. Those are charlatans. Some people want John to have pointed to him and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your stress, your physical problems, your health problems, etc. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in various ways, Jesus does these things for us individually, but not for the world. There was a point in saying He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This was the reason He took on human flesh. This is our salvation. Now recall that while John's parents were well past the age of parenting, uh, his dad being a priest, Zechariah, and his mother being Elizabeth, God had given them a faith that would be a role model faith in raising the Lord's forerunner. So they most certainly would have done two things that would be in John's mind as he pointed out the Lamb of God. First, the Passover meal. This is what Jesus was celebrating when he instituted the Lord's Supper. Because that lamb meant something. The first Passover meal was, was established by God. It was part of the last plague. The last plague in Egypt as he brought his people out of Israel. They were to pick a lamb without blemish or defect. Hint, hint, Jesus didn't have sin. He's true man, but he's true God. 
They were to roast it whole. They weren't to break any of its bones. Remember, Jesus' bones were not broken on the cross, which was the standard practice to hasten death. But one of the things they were to do before they even roast that lamb, they were to put the blood of the lamb on their door. Because the last plague was the firstborn of every house was to be killed by God's avenging angel. And if it saw blood of a lamb on the door, it passed over that house. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a strong image John would have had in his mind when he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because the whole world is guilty of sin. Every one of us is unholy apart from God. But when God puts his Holy Spirit in your heart, you have that blood of the Lamb on the door of your heart and God passes over you with the damnation for sin, with the damnation of hell. Imagery number two. In those days, you learned how to do your job because usually you did what your father did. And this was especially so if you were a Levite. If you did not have a cripple, deformity, these sorts of things, because you too had to at least give a representation of not having blemish or defect, Dad would take you to work. It wasn't a designated day. There were several times he would take you to work and you would see the various functionings of the various roles that the priests had in the temple. So every Israelite, especially in Jerusalem, should have known this, but John would have seen it firsthand. At the end of the day, as the sun set and the temple gates were closed, the last sacrifice on the altar for the day was a lamb. It was paid for out of the public treasury. It wasn't individuals who brought it for their individual sins. And it was paid for to atone for the sins of Israel that had happened that day. The temple was a busy place even at night and priests had different things they did, cleaning things up and everything, keeping looky-loos from places where God might incinerate them for going. The morning, first sacrifice as the sun rises and as the doors open was a lamb that was paid for out of the public treasury to atone for the sins that had committed that night for the nation of Israel. They began the day with a clean slate, just like we begin our worship with the confession and absolution, so we can begin worshiping the Lord with a clean slate. Now that lamb that was sacrificed every day, seven days a week, 12 months out of the year, did not take away the sins of Israel. It was just a lamb. Well, it could by the power of the true lamb who would make those sacrifices legitimate. The lamb that all those sacrifices pointed to. Jesus takes away the sins of the world. He doesn't take away just your sins. He died for the sins of the world. It's sad to say even in Lutheranism, there are people that deny this. Deny that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world because they point out that most people go to hell. And we'll get to that in a minute. Jesus took away the sins of the world. Every sin committed before his life, death, and resurrection and every sin subsequent until his return except for one. There is only one sin that stands before you and God. Just one. I'm not telling you curse all you want. It's fine. I'm not telling you, you never have to come to church, it's fine. See, the whole world, there's only one sin that's going to stand against them, and this is Judgment Day. Either you did this sin or you didn't at the time that your life ended or at Judgment Day. And that is 
as Jesus called it, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That is the lack of faith. That is to deny that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is the only sin that stands on the ledger, period. See, if we deny that he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, then we've got to take away our own sins, and we just can't do it, can we? Because every time you sin, you owe a debt you can never repay. Every time. But Jesus, who is true God and true man, he can do this. And then he sends the Holy Spirit working through that message to give you the faith so that now the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world, well, he spread his blood across you like those doorposts. With the Holy Spirit in your heart, you now have faith and you actually believe not only that Jesus has taken away all the sins, so the only sin that damns you to hell is unbelief, is rejecting the Holy Spirit, it's all the same thing, but you believe that you are going to heaven. You are redeemed. The blood of the Lamb means you will be passed over. Your sins are atoned for. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Know what it means it, and believe it. It means that the world's sins all boil down to just one now and you're not guilty of it. God has given you the Holy Spirit. And so John says, this is the one about whom I said, a man is coming after me who has come ahead of me because he was before me. And again, to get in a Greek grammar lesson, it's interesting because these are not just adverbs of time, but they're priority. Now, how could Jesus come in time after him, but yet be before him in time and also in priority? Because he's God. As true God, he existed. As true God, he spoke the words. He did the things that would make, that would create time. God is above time. And yet as a man, he comes after John. Recall that Elizabeth is six months pregnant when the angel Gabriel visits Mary with that wonderful announcement. So we see this is how he's able to take away the sins of the world. If you could atone for your sins, that would only save one person. But as true man, he could, he could live in everybody's place because he's a human being. And as true God, who cannot die, but as true man, he can. His death would be so precious as true God that it would atone for all the sins of the world. So John says, and I on my part had not perceived him, but so that he would be revealed to Israel for this very reason I came baptizing with water. Now John leapt in the womb when he heard Mary's voice, but he was in the womb. Recall that after Jesus is born, he, he's born in Bethlehem, but they got to beat feet down to Egypt to keep Jesus from being killed. Then they settle back again in Nazareth to stay away from one of Herod's sons, who's not such a good guy either. John probably never met Jesus before that day, even though they're relatives. And so he says, how would I know that he's a savior? Now, remember, at Jesus' baptism, God left you witnesses, the Holy Spirit and God the Father speaking, a very powerful witness. But he, he, God likes to give testimony so that you know and can be assured and confirmed this faith you have in this blood of the lamb, that it's properly placed. And so he also gives John to give us that testimony. John says, and John testified by saying, I have observed the spirit descending from heaven as a dove and the spirit remained upon him. And I on my part had not perceived him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water, that very one said to me, upon whomever you see the spirit descending and remaining upon him, that man is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and testified that this man is the son of God. So the only sin that condemns us is unbelief. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. So when you hear that Jesus is the Lamb of God, he sends the Holy Spirit to work through that message to give you faith so that you are not condemned. You can be confident, as we learned in last week's sermon on Jesus' baptism, because Jesus was the one anointed to be the Lamb of God, not you. 
not do your best and God will do the rest or God does most of it and you do a skosh bit. Jesus is the Lamb. Only Jesus. And He's taken away the sins of the world. The only reason why they go to hell and be their own fault is rejecting Him. And yet you know that the gates of heaven are flung wide because the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb Himself has sent the Holy Spirit who's entered your heart so that daily you get a shower of the blood of the Lamb and your sins are forgiven. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Believe what it means for you and for the world. So what happens with this message John is preaching? We get to verse 35. The following day John stood there again and was standing away from two of his disciples. We find out that's Andrew and John, not John the Baptist, John the guy who wrote the Gospel of John, the three epistles of John in Revelation. And he looked directly at Jesus who was walking by and he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Now, if I were making a Hollywood movie on this scene, and this would be a very important and powerful scene, John would be out there baptizing, he'd have the disciples who were with him, Andrew and John, they're standing near him, and he would say, Behold the Lamb of God! Hint! Hint! John is to become less, and he knows it. He's going to lose disciples, and he loses two of them now, and it's good! Because they're going to become apostles, and they get the hint, brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 37, And two of his disciples heard him speaking, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned around, looked at the two disciples who were following him, and he says to them, What are you seeking? Isn't it amazing how God invites us? Invites us to know him as the Lamb of God and to see its application, its implications in our life? Then they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a confession. Because a rabbi in those days was somebody who was usually well above age 30. Jesus is 30. Rabbis had grown up. They had studied the scripture. They knew the scripture. They memorized entire portions of the scripture. And they taught it. And if you wanted to learn it, you followed them. You found out where they lived, where they stayed, and you just followed them around. Rabbi. Jesus was only 30 years old. You'd have to be a genius to be a rabbi at age 30, but he's true God. And this is a confession. You have something to teach, and we want to learn it. And what does Jesus do with their questioning? Jesus says to them, come and you will see. More than once he will call not just these two, but these two as well as others and make it very clear to them that they are called to be his apostles. This begins very gently. And this is amazing because this is how he works in your and my life. Gently, the waters of baptism as an infant. Gently, parents bringing them up to worship and bringing them to Sunday school. Gently, as an adult who has a friend at work or a co-worker or somebody that they love that shares the word and, and, and it, they keep sharing it. And the Lamb of God keeps gently bringing them in until they say, you know what, I, I think I need to be baptized. And let's seal this up and make this deal. So Jesus says to them, come and you will see. Therefore they came and they saw where he was saying and they remained beside him that day. It was the 10th hour. And what did they do after that? Andrew, namely the brother of Simon Peter, if I were Jesus in English translating Peter's name, we'd call him Rocky, because that's what his name means, Rocky, solid. Peter doesn't, isn't the first to come to the Lord, it's Andrew and John. Peter becomes the spokesman for the, for the people, he's, he's quick to speak. So Andrew, namely the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard from John and followed Jesus. So he's following Jesus. He first found his own brother, John tells us, Simon, and said to him, I have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. 
Andrew learned it, observed it, and then he couldn't keep it in. He runs and tells his brother, his buddy, Peter, his brother, I found the Messiah. And John is very humble, doesn't even refer to himself by name, just calls himself pretty much Jesus' best friend in his gospel. But we know from the other gospels that he also went and got his brother, James, who was a partner in fishing. Jesus now has four disciples. Point I'm trying to make, brothers and sisters in Christ, we've seen that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and you believe that, but you believe even more importantly, He's taken your sins away. So what do you do with it? The children's song sings, Do you hide it under a bush? Oh no, I'm going to let it shine. Share what it means for you in the world. God presents the opportunities. Do you have a neighbor who's struggling word now, especially in our energy bust about finances? You know the message you have that they need to hear? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because when your sins are taken away, whatever he chooses is for your best in this life, whether it's financial hardship or whether it's an even better paying job, you're covered. Do you have a friend or a neighbor who's heard bad news about health? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Whether God chooses for you to bear this cross or to heal it, it's going to be okay because you have property in heaven, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You have a friend who's struggling, struggling with the sin, and they don't want a God to tell them it's sin. Well, they need to hear that there is something that God does with sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We don't want to get confused and think the primary purpose of our church is to teach you how to act and behave like Christians. That comes from a heart that understands. It naturally flows out of the Holy Spirit, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And if you ever hear a sermon of mine that doesn't center around that, please yank me out of my pulpit. Do not accept a different message for Jesus. This is the center message of the Old and New Testament and in what it's all about. And so we rejoice today to see that Jesus is the Lamb of God. You believe what it means for you and for the world. There's only one sin that condemns. It's unbelief. And so we, like Andrew and John, share what it means for us and to the world. Simply by doing as John the Baptist did. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Lo, the Lamb so long expected comes with pardon down from heaven. Let us haste with tears of sorrow, one and all to be forgiven.